Well, Psalm 98 says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. And uh, let me see if I'm at Psalm 100, just uh, two psalms later. Uh, You probably know these verses. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. And so when we uh, went through this series, that was part of the heart was just to really spend time thinking about the joyful noise and the singing and, and contemplating but then deliberately to look at some of the songs that we know, that we sing in the church or that we've shared and kind of explore um, their scriptural connections and learn a little bit more about what they mean and, and also help build that, uh, build that practice where we look at things and then also look at them in the spiritual and the scriptural uh, lens to, to interpret them and understand whether or not they're true. Um, so this morning, I'm just going to ask a couple questions for Dave and Nick and myself, um, and then I think we'll just kind of go through and briefly share maybe a highlight from each of those lessons that we gave. So we'll have a list up on the screen and when we're ready to get there, um, so we can just talk a little bit about those songs that we covered over the series. Um, and uh, I think that'll... And then I do have a song to close with, too, that we'll play. Um, but the first question I was just thinking is we all grew up from different backgrounds and churches and experience... And so I was just curious, what's a, what's a memory or, um, you know, if you can describe a little bit, if you look back growing up, like, in the church um, that's connected to music, like something you remember from worship at church or feeling or seeing music, um, just to kind of share those memories. I would say for me, um, when I was... Uh, just before I was a teenager and then through teens, I know my church was uh, um, in Union County, well, Snyder County, actually, but in the center of the state, pretty close. Uh, f- a similar area to Lancaster, a lot of farming communities. Horse and buggy Mennonite rather than, like, Amish. Um, there's a distinction. Um, but I remember one memory that I have is on Wednesday nights, every now and then. Like, we had the chorus books, so Wednesday prayer and praise service. Um, there were selections in there that were Pennsylvania Dutch, and there were enough people, older people in the church that knew Pennsylvania Dutch, so they would sing uh, some praise choruses in, uh, in Pennsylvania Dutch, so I remember that, and, uh, and I remember those of us who were younger who didn't know Pennsylvania Dutch, we would like try to mimic it and not really probably get it right, <laughs> but um, it was just one of those neat memories hearing it, hearing music mm-hmm. expressed from a different language and a different culture, um, and then I got to experience that. I think in 2018 or 2019, um, whenever um, I was working the show Jesus at Sight and Sound, when I was the crew chief, and we had some, it was a very complex show, and there was one time we had a technical issue that was delaying the show for a period of time. Um, I don't remember if this was power um, company issues, but while we were waiting, the audience of 2,000 people that came from all over the country, and there were people representing lots of places from all over the world, started singing, um, I don't remember the songs, but they just started singing like hymns or choruses or praise songs, wow. and you actually could hear, because a lot of times the melodies are used when you translate the song into other languages, 
So you could actually hear people singing it in different languages, <laughs> which was very much like it just made us think of the literal scene at the end of the show that we were about to perform <laughs> where Peter is preaching to people of many different languages and they're all hearing the same praise and the same witness of God. So um, those are a couple memories that That's I have. That's super cool. But I, can, I can fake a few lines that wouldn't make any sense to the Amish. So. <laughs> For me, it was mostly camp that I had my, my deepest early like worship um, significant worship, corporate worship memories. One, two songs in particular, one I know Nick loves, uh, It Only Takes a Spark. Hmm. Ah, just, yeah, I mean, like, there was this, like, we were in such a... How'd you know I like that song? We, we talked about it when, oh. I, when I did a version early on in my, my I didn't know other people knew that song. Yeah. That's so I didn't know people were stalking me for so many years. No, one of the first ten songs I did in my song, every song a day thing was, was a version of that, and you emailed me back about, about how that was important to you. But, uh, yeah, that just, we, we all, it just felt like we were all really in one accord and we would sing that, especially when we would get into rounds and stuff. Oh, man, around, around the, yeah, around, no, um, specifically, it only takes a spark, you know, around the campfire up in the outdoor chapel. And there was also a song called, Have You Seen Jesus, My Lord? Do you know the one? Have you seen Jesus, my Lord? He here in plain view take a look take a look up in me when you get a group of, of, of kids together singing that really beautifully and, and also like another good one is around it's just so you just get locked into that it's very emotional and those are key moments for me of like learning to appreciate Christian community not that I had it down perfectly but the Lord used songs like that to mm. usher me into a new, a deeper level, mm -hmm. I guess. Nick? So, <laughs> I always hated singing. <laughs> always, as a young kid, hated the music. It was the most, <laughs> most terrifying moment of the entire worship service. <laughs> you know, when you hear the pastor get up and say, can you just imagine in eternity we're going to be singing forever? I just uh, <laughs> roll out of my seat. What is this? Is just the worst news, you know? It took me many years to to come to the realization that there'd be other things to do in heaven as well, like adventure and imagination and creating, you know. But when I was a kid, yeah, there was very little to look forward to in eternity, right? Um, but similar to both of you, there was this, uh, I'm still not, so, so even in my own house, right, for many, many years, there's, there's, there's this ongoing joke. I'm not, I'm not a good vocalist, right? Singing is, is not my thing. I can pretend, I can fake, but ever since a young age, I grew up in, in these CEF, these CEF good news clubs type of thing, right? And there was always these songs, and, 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 and even if, though you were singing or not, there was, a, there was this brilliant um, engraving happening on your soul, right? Mm -hmm. even, even now, as a grown-up, when I look back, you know, with all these hymns, you know, um, it's amazing. I'm so grateful for, even though I wasn't keen in the time, that these, these obnoxious grown-ups, mm -hmm. you know, were, were writing these, these expressions on my soul, right? Because mm -hmm. when it's done in Scripture, 
you know, these memories. We think they're memories, but they're, 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 it's the very voice of God that he brings back to you in the moment, right? And uh, so even as a kid, I remember, oh, the most dreaded moment in my entire existence as a child. I would have been my son's age. And, and my whole, my whole, um, our, our, our whole uh, understanding was, we were so introverted, me and one of my close friends, his name was Stan, we were so introverted. So anytime there was like an, an activity going out somewhere, those of you who are introverted understand, it just takes a lot, a little more energy to kind of get out, you know, and be seen. And so the most dreaded moment of my life came when I was about 11 years old, where um, in the children's choir, um, my best friend's mother, who was the director, asked us to do a duet, <laughs> right? Not even in the church, but at the local mall, <laughs> right? Yeah, you and your best friend. So, so this was, yeah, 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 you know, so this was like, how? I'm still wounded <laughs> oh. over, over, over this, if I'm being honest, <laughs> right? Um, but as the years passed, um, it turns out that my closest friends... Um, in church, very much like here, and I wanted to share with you guys, there's, there's something that takes place here, and I don't mean to be long-winded, I've been gone for a long time, so. <laughs> there's a lot you need to hear, right, cathartic, but just even sitting here and rejoining you, there's an expression of life that I've received just by stepping in these doors, right, I share life with you, I just, I just feel this I have a friend who recently, um, she, she gave birth a couple months ago, and they just sent me a picture of this little girl. And, and the only compliment that I could give her, right, the one that just sprung forth out of me was like, oh, my word, your daughter carries your joy. Mm. You know, she has your joy. Mm. And this is like, this is, after I said it, I was like, awkward thing to say. You know, we usually say, oh, she has your eyes, she has, she looks like him, she look, you know, um, but I was just like, she has your joy, you know, and she just responded back, like, those words really, really, you know, were really touching in the moment, and just really, really, really shocked me, and so, so, when I'm with you, I just, I just immediately feel this shared life, I just immediately feel this place where I get to take a time out, you know, from my burdens, from my obstacles, from the battle that we all face, right? Um, and having to overcome and battle temptation and move towards, towards wisdom and creating a future where, where God is, is evident and present because I've learned it takes a lot of work to do that, right? And, and so being a kid, these songs were engraving on me a resilience in my soul that even through the years, even though I, I didn't like singing, I ended up becoming really, really close friends these guys, oh, they would just sing everywhere. You know, it was probably a group of maybe six of them. I remember going to, like, like choir, choir. Any maybe remember this? Like, like a choir weekend, like a youth choir weekend. We'd go down to New Jersey and join, like, hundreds of other students from around the area and, you know, sing in a choir, you know, the weekend type of thing. And these guys... You know, my friends would be walking down the street singing the like, <coughs> three-part harmony, you know, and I still can't do it. I mean, hearing you this morning was absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much. I, I don't even have this gift to, 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 to lean back on. But in the context of all this conversation, it ties me into belonging, right? I couldn't sing a lick. I didn't really enjoy that singing. But even throughout 
over the years, even though it wasn't a pure joy of mine, number one, it connected me to the joy of others, mm -hmm. right? Because of what you can offer me that I can't, mm -hmm. right? And it's simply in those harmonies, and whether it's a joyful noise or not, right? Scripture is just, I just love the way. Scripture's. If, if, if you're not aware, by the way, it says, uh, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. But in another passage, it also says, play skillfully. Sing skillfully. <laughs> All right? So, so you like to think this is a contradiction, but it's not. It's an inclusion. Yeah. It's an oh. inclusion. Because in the Lord, um, we have this common joy that we share and express together. And this is what I found yeah. in this series. It's by a show of hands. How many of you have been in a room, like Justin described, when people were singing the same song in different languages? Heaven? Maybe? You've been overseas, you've been you've been in some churches. Sure. Yeah, okay. Right? This this is this is just kind of that 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 you know and and when you're in that moment, right, you hear the the same song in different languages and, and the reality is you don't understand the language, but you understand each other. Sure. Right? I think this is such a powerful imagery of connecting the soul. Yeah. You know, when Christ is the center. In a lot of ways, music is like a language. Um, it's a whether you speak the words or not. When you hear music, you can relate to it, and you know I think a lot of people can appreciate different cultural styles. And you hear something that's unique or new, but you you can feel the rhythm. You hear a melody, and it starts to it just starts to make sense. Um, but yet, I know in the church we've oft we've often sometimes put up walls and said, wait a minute, that style of this language isn't acceptable because other people have used it a different way. Right. Um, so I think that maybe there's a little work for us to do to just recognize that whether or not people have used it incorrectly, it's how we're using it now that is valuable. So there's a lot of discussion about styles of music, the way we use music. And I know in the church, I've often felt like, you know, Aside from an extreme example, if you're going to have a service and you bring someone in who's doing hip-hop style music, a lot of our churches would say, wait a minute, what are you doing? That doesn't belong here. But yeah, we might be comfortable with someone singing a very low-key piano-backed song that's expressing completely incorrect theology. Right. And uh, so sometimes I think we focus on the wrong things, mm -hmm. and our focus really needs to always be questioning, is the, like, what's the purpose of this? And so mm -hmm. in church... When we're using worship, I know it's just I was just watching and listening to a discussion about worship, and I've always felt like are you know are we using the music to create an emotion, and then we rely on that <clears throat> we rely on that as a stand-in for revelation from God or from the presence of God, but it's easy it's always been easy for me maybe to look at music that way and question are we doing that with music, but that's true of anything that we do um, that we should always be saying are we are we trying to create emotion I know the uh, I'd say maybe the rhetorical or the oratory background of my, like my church history from growing up very much was geared towards making a specific emotion so that you would get up and come forward to pray afterwards. And a lot of times those responses were praised and lauded, but they were very shallow because I responded to an altar call because of an emotion, not truly because of the presence of God or the witness of the Spirit pulling me. And then I tried to live my life by those emotions. So... There's just a, you know, it's a complex discussion to always be evaluating why are we doing this? Are we doing this to reveal who God is? Are we doing this to welcome his presence in? But I am just curious, what, like, what type of music in the church or even in your personal life, what type of music do you feel like really connects you to God? Because I'd probably say right now, as, as recklessly as it sounds, you know, 
1980s rock music. <laughs> you know, I have this this this, this little joke. Um, for some reason, and and please, I'm I'm gonna show all my cards here because I don't even I haven't even examined the song, you know. But for some reason, when uh, when I think it's Billy Idol, White Wedding comes on the radio, <laughs> you know, I'm 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 just you know just you awakened, jammed. you know, just kind of awakened, you know. And and it's not <clears throat> Justin. What you're saying, I think, is so is so profound and so essential because we need to understand that the enemy will absolutely try to pose, posit us emotion in replacement for God. Mm-hmm. And, and emotion is, is, is given to us by God, right, through God. And we can certainly experience God in our emotions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but we can also, yeah, it can also be this reckless shortcut, mm-hmm. right? And, and this is just it. When, when, for me, when you're passionate about God, you can trust your passions, right? When you're in love with the Lord, um, you can trust the things that you love. Right, and and so I never would have said, I never would have said, you know, '80s music. Yeah, you know, but the way that it's tying me, especially in this series, right, the Christmas music or or you know whatever genre it is, um, it's tying me right now to this 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 purview or this review of my life. You know, we 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 like to think that our life is lived linear. Right, but I like to look at life as being circular, right? And there's so many moments in our lives that, that you know, and we all, you've all been here, right? You've been here in the car, a, a piece of music comes on that t- takes you back to a time, right? And maybe it's, maybe it was a good time, maybe it was a bad time, right? Maybe it's just like, whoa, you know, I really need to, you know, reconsider that piece of my life. You know, um, yes, we live in the present. Yes, the present is, is, are the tools that we use to create the future, Right, um, but I praise the Lord that He redeems the whole thing. Right? Wow! And so, so in His redemption, you know, mm. our past is redeemed. You know, and it's in the redemption of our past that we can overcome and find the building blocks that we need to make different decisions in the present to create a future that is more meaningful yeah. um, and use, usable by Him. Yeah. Is piggybacking off of your mention about '80s music, be. P.S. Um, White Wedding is about Billy Idol's uh, sister's shotgun wedding. <laughs> but um, no, when I remember being around the campfire, I had a. Uh, it's really rough when you're in a room with a fact checker. <laughs> it's always it's always a problem. When we were at a senior high camp, um, we were at the campfire. It was the last day of the week or something, and we were all very emotional. And, you know, we we're gonna write to everybody. You know, every day. But you don't. But anyway, but we were we were around the campfire singing emotional songs, and I I started singing a song by the Smiths, like one of my favorite '80s new wave bands, and the song called uh, "There's a Light That Never Goes Out," and it's very emotional and epic. And um, the um, the chorus, it sounds nice and sentimental, but it's kind of like twisted too. Like the the the, uh, the words are like if a if a ten-ton truck, kills, or like driving with friends in the song, kills the both of us to die by your side would be such a heavenly way to die. And like, it's just very morbid, but it sounds epic and emotional. And I was so glad looking back now that one of the uh, counselors called me out and he was like, 
Yeah, that's kind of a pretty song, but wouldn't it be much better to like live to the fullest with those friends and to like live for Christ and not mm. the have talked about the morbidity of dying <clears throat> in a car crash with your friends. It's it's much much better to like live well with each other and like oh yeah. You know, but it's kind of cool though because that that comment obviously did affect me and helped put that in perspective. Because like you know, a lot of teenagers, you know, they get listen to kind of morbid music and get in like this melancholy and and then like black clothing or whatever, blah blah. You know, and and that could kind of cause kids to be depressed and and emotional. You know what I mean? And just kind of like super dramatic. And that was really neat how God sort of like sideswiped me with that counselor and made me think about that. And I think if I just feel talking about it now, it feels kind of timeless, like just kind of like how the Lord entered my timeline and just kind of like gave me that important reminder. Well, music is, you know, when, we, when we're called to come into the temple presence with praise and with the stringed instruments and the cymbals, you know, it's being called for one specific purpose there. It's a tool for that purpose. Um, but it's also other things. Mm. So, like, we're talking about the things that we've seen or experienced. It's also a journal, really, of human right. experience. Whoever wrote and that, that so, was, like, almost you know, journaling Even when you talked about the depressed teenagers, right. I immediately thought of David in the caves by himself, Ooh, lamenting his loneliness and his right. despair. He was being completely honest. Yeah, some of these songs are, some yeah. of these psalms make awful songs. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, so there's kind of this recognizing that we're we're called to be um, diligent observers of mm. the culture and the world around us, and it always amazes me. You know, my my wife has always been a fan of '80s music too, because I think it's because that period when you're growing up and you become familiar with it, like you you grab that and it, and it. You it remember has good it. attachments to yes. it. Yes. I didn't even like it back then. Now I can't get away from it. <laughs> it but, has good attachments. It just sparks. Memories that right. are good just because yeah. they were from a time in your life when. It was good. But it's interesting. I, I enjoy sometimes you'll hear a song, maybe it's a popular song or something that, that people know, and you realize, oh, I wonder if they realize right in there that's a biblical truth, or they, mm-hmm. they're talking yeah. about something way bigger than they comprehend. Yeah. Right. Um, and then likewise, sometimes that we might sing or love a song but then we stop and listen and say wait a minute (laughs) that is like completely off balance you know and I think that we're just called to always be evaluating that and recognize it and yeah sometimes and you're driving in your car um, you know it's okay to experience emotions too Um, I think um, we don't want to separate our church and our out of church experience in a sense but um, you know there's time and place for different things Um, I think for me Probably hymns, just from growing up, and just I guess hymns kind of represent some of that to our to our modern church. Represent that feeling of like the music that the Levites were called to perform and play coming into the temple. It's different and it's set aside. You know, you don't typically hear hymns played in the grocery store um, unless it's Christmas time. And again, they don't really even know they're playing a hymn, probably. Um, so for me, I just I appreciate I like that I like the sound and the feel of hymns. Um, again, some of it's emotional, um, but just because it's making it feels like I'm at a different place. It mm-hmm. feels like I'm coming into the place for a purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though my church never had the big pipe organs, um, we had the electric organs that sort of mimicked it, <laughs> but not always very well. Um, so that's kind of my memory. 
So I, I recently heard a brilliant conversation of someone speaking and sharing on just on this, and the context was really in in the context was in relationship and the creation of these songs, mm -hmm. right? And um, more specifically, as Dave was kind of alluding to, if you ever notice, um, and you'll find this among our artistic community, that it's actually much easier to to write songs of misery. Mm -hmm. Right, mm -hmm. and, and, and in this conversation was really like, well, you know, you, why, why is everything that you create dark, right? Why is everything that, you, that whether it be a music or your art, why, why is this dark element, you know, why, why don't you, you know, why don't you sing or, or write something else? And, and the conversation well, is typically, well, I'm just being authentic, right? I'm just being, I'm just being honest, mm -hmm. you know, and that kind of moves you to, to, you know, a little bit of pushback, um, why isn't hope honest? Oh, because it, it is. The expression of hope is I've experienced, experienced in Christ. Hope can be honest. And love can be honest. And joy can be honest. Because sometimes when we step, especially we step into a church or, or a spiritual, spiritually filled room, if we're in that place of darkness, we think everyone else is faking it. Right? Oh, this, this, this song of beauty, this song of music, come on. Oh, I can't sing that because that's not authentic. Right? But it might not be authentic to you in that moment. But I, as I sing it with you this morning, there are stories in creation. Hope is an authentic song. And joy is an authentic song. However, it's not the easiest one. Because I want you to know it is much easier for me to live in misery than it is for me to live in hope. It's much easier for me to be discouraged and to walk in temptation than it is for me to stand up and, 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 and as Bob said, let these drops, let these, these buttons drop, these, these poor identities fall from me, right? Because it, we have to stand in the promises of God. Because only in the promises of God can this, this true song, you know, and this is what we were talking about in the series, yeah. right? Um, what did I do mine on? How great thou art. And yeah. How it, great is well. thou art it is well. It is well, right? Um, that's the wrong song, right? If, if he's actually writing a song on his existence, right, it, it, it should be a terrible song that we would not be singing today. So he's either lying and faking it, or this reality of truth and beauty and love and hope can actually come out of us in the darkest of times because of who Christ is. Well, let me read a verse, uh, a passage about hope, um, and we'll start going through these uh, through the songs that we covered. The first song that we did was I Know Whom I Have Believed, which was really taken directly from Scripture. Um, but verse 2 of the hymn says, I know not how the saving faith to me he did impart, nor how believing in his word wrought peace within my heart. And one of the, the first scripture I shared for that standard was Psalm 33, 16 to 22. The king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation, and by its great might it cannot rescue. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love, that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us even as we hope in you. I think uh, that's something that I saw in that song that I went through. I was, I remembered the hymn from my from my youth, but I also just wanted to explore, explore those uh, themes. And this was one. This is one of those classic hymns that really 
every phrase you can fill a page with the scripture references. So it was really, it was really challenging to even narrow it down just to discuss it. But that one was a very powerful one. Um, of course, uh, I'll just share the highlight. One reason I wanted to talk about it was because it was from Paul's experience. Um, and it's from 2 Timothy. I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Um, and I think for me, the theme, just knowing that the closeness with God is what gives us hope. That no matter what the trial is, that we can be in prison like Paul. Um, because we've, we've, we know him. We know that he will keep his word. We know that he's promised us that whatever else is happening, the war horses around you can be falling, the shields can be breaking. You still have hope in his steadfast love. So that's kind of the theme that I took from that one. Uh, Nick, you you did How Great Thou Art as the next one in the series. So if there's any kind of highlight or even just a theme, what pulled you to, to discuss that one? Anything that stood out or surprised you? You can just pick one and... Well, I'm going to piggyback on what you're saying and add some scripture. Proverbs 4. So when it comes to these hymns and these psalms, it really, for me, it's, it's where, where do these words come from, right? Because, and you all know this, my, when you are a public communicator or even as an individual that, that is leading teams, I joke about having a fact checker in the room. There's always fact checkers around you. We, when you try to fake relationship in front of people, people know. Like when you try to fake things, people know, right? And, and so I wonder when they were writing these songs, where do they come from, right? Because if, 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 it didn't, if it wasn't birthed from an authentic place in the soul, in Christ... I, I tend to believe there wouldn't have been lasting value to it, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. right? It just would have faded away. It just would have, would, would, would have, would have died. And, and so it makes me think of these, these words <clears throat> in Proverbs. This is Proverbs 4, beginning in verse 20, right? My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far away from you. Which, by the way, I'm going to note this, this putting this speech <coughs> and this devious talk. I'm actually not going to say this is advice um, um, from others coming to you, but actually the way you speak to yourself. Put it far away from you. Right? There's no, no more vicious speech and, and condemnation coming from any, anyone more than it does from within our own selves. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Of course, with, 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 with your clear sight, your clear vision being on Christ, ponder the path that your feet are on, then your, all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left or turn your foot, turn your foot away from evil. But here it is in verse 23. Keep your heart with all vigilance. vigilance. For from it flows the springs of life. Wow. Right? The spring of life comes from our soul. It comes from this identity in Christ. And each and every one of us, whether you understand this or not, we are actually writing a song every single day through our lives. Every single day, in every relationship, in every choice that we're making. Right? And this is... It's easy to read these words and think, okay, right? This week I'm going to... I don't, have, I don't have the ability to, to look at my week on such a large scale, 
right? I don't even have the ability to look at my whole day on a large scale because I don't know what temptations are going to come my way. I don't know what my scenarios are going to put me in. But I know that if my soul is good, then from it will flow goodness, right? If there's purity in my soul, then from my mouth will come purity, right? If there's love overflowing from my soul, then from it will come love. And I think these authors of these, of these songs that have lasted in transcended time, How Great Thou Art, is overflowing <clears throat> from the soul. Yeah. Worship. Yeah. You know, worship uh, over and over and over again in the moment. Right? He just didn't write a song. Right. This song came <clears throat> in from an overflow yeah. of, of his soul. Yeah, yeah and it, it checked out. It with, checked out. Uh, human experience. It was authentic. And I liked how you played a few clips of different performers, including like Elvis Presley singing that song. Um, you know, and we look back, like right now, it's easy to look at culture and say, here, here is where art is developed, and over here is like the Christian art ghetto, where, you know, it's not as good, it's kind of second rate, we don't really take it seriously. But for so much of Western culture, um, from, you know, Europe into American uh, development, the church is what drove art, and the yeah, church is what drove musical development. And so other than like the folk songs that you sang at a tavern maybe, or the lullabies you sang to your children, you know, these songs were the songs that people knew, and they sang. And so even the hymns in the, in the 19th and 20th century, those were the songs that were a common language. Everybody knew those. And so it's just kind of a neat, a neat realization that we don't need to be ashamed to pursue art, and that's why I love that Dave, you know, is writing out a song every day and just, you know, being honest and authentic with it. Um, yeah. I'm glad that you mentioned um, David in the Psalms. Like you said, some of these wouldn't really make good songs because they're so negative and and uh, and dark in some ways. Try making a song out of Job chapter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Job chapter. But but it was a good reminder that, like, for instance. Though I, I sort of smacked the Smiths around a little bit, I mean, that song probably meant something. It came out of something that was deep and personal to Morrissey when he wrote that. And it, it connected with something with me as a teenager that I maybe needed to, to uh, investigate a little bit. I didn't maybe think about it that way at the time. And that also was a catalyst for that counselor saying those words to me, etc. So, yeah, authenticity is so important. When you, when you say, like, uh, with the heart, be careful with the heart, and how the heart springs, you know, is springs this, this living water, or, or, you know, or should, you know, and our, our praises and so on. Um, and people write what they know. Um, but when you look at popular music or movies you see a, a really distinct lack of hope in people's lives. And it makes sense that there's nothing to watch on TV or all the movies stink because it seems like everything coming out is dark. I pay attention to what movies come out because I have the, the Regal Unlimited, you know, so I can go to many movies as I want. But sometimes I don't even want to go at all because, like, half the movies are about, like, you know, killing or just like people wanting to be in charge of their own lives and acting like they think they're gods and like it's just all really you know principles that don't match up with Jesus at all and there are sometimes good movies that, that are more wholesome 
but they're few and far between compared to. But yeah, it's because of this lack of hope. Yeah, and if you if you read one of David's psalms where he's in despair and he's uncertain, when you read to the end, usually the the last stanza or the last phrase will be about trusting in God. But he's crying out to God. I don't really know how this is going to work, but right. I trust you, God. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but how great thou art is now the second most popular song. Um, I'm going to say in America, I don't know how far, but only recently. And it's because of, please help me, I also shared another video. Carrie Underwood. Carrie Underwood popularized it. You know, but prior to her singing it, um, no one knew. No one in America knew. So once again, you have this, you know, you have this, uh, um, the presence of the church kind of flooding the culture in a moment. So it is well. Um, a lot of us, maybe some of us knew that story, but we got to, to learn a little bit about the story behind Horatio Spafford's experience. What, what drew you to, to explore that song? That was the shipwreck one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where Spafford lost his family, his uh, children. Oh, because my life's a shipwreck. <laughs> I, 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 can't, I can't put it any other way, you know. I just, I just spent the last two months, right, walking through a season where where life, I, we're get, if, if we end up going into the wisdom books, right? And this is kind of why I replied to you and said, you know, um, please, we can go another direction. I'm not trying to weight the scales right now. But um, it's just kind of where, where my heart's been. To look and understand your life, our lives, as linear, um, to me, is a grand mistake. Because all we begin to see is in front of us is like the next step or... or you know, but if we begin to understand time in some type of um, circular, you know, circular motion, um, not only do we have the opportunity to 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 um, revisit our former selves, right? Right. The person that you are today, you didn't. You just didn't become this person, right? You're you're not you're not that you know, thirty six year old. You know, because what's going to happen is one day very very soon. That 36-year-old is going to completely disappear from your mind, and now you're going to be a 42-year-old, right? And, and you end up, and if we end up only seeing life in the present, then we lose the disconnect of wisdom, which means can I connect my choices to the future? And the past is your greatest example of this, right? If you haven't learned from your past, if you haven't seen the way that your choices of the past impact your present, Right? Then wisdom is, wisdom is simply saying, oh, I see the power of my choices. Right? The people that we become today in our 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, you know, can deeply be impacted by choices we made when we were teenagers. And if we don't have the brilliance of the Spirit, right, of the glory of God, to recognize that we can go back to those moments and have the Lord redeem them, we can change the choices that we make in the present. Right, and this is this is this is one of the most amazing things, you know, when when Jesus said, "Unless you're born again, right? Unless you get to start over, you know." But but it's understanding. It's understanding again that his words when he wrote this. His soul was primed for this moment. Right, you don't. These words don't come out of someone, who hasn't redeemed. Other mistakes, learnings. I'm not going to call them mistakes. I'm going to call them learnings. These words, it is well with my soul, don't come out of the soul of someone who hasn't learned to redeem 
um, learn to redeem all the, the learnings along the way. Right? This isn't a, this is not I don't I don't know how old he was when he wrote this. Um, but the person writing it isn't the the forty two year old, you know, individual there with his wife and daughters on the boat. This is an individual who was <coughs> who was learning from God when he was 12 and 16 and 18 and 20 and 24. You know, he was, God was there with him when, he, when you know, in, in losing everything in the fire and in, in, in going bankrupt and his business was failing. God was there. So he knew that God was going to be there on the other side. And I think that is what's so powerful. We're going to see in the book of Job that even in the midst of complete anguish, the sinking ship, you can have faith that God is going to show up on the other side for you. What we say during the series, if it's not good, then God's not done. Yeah, yeah. yes. So Dave, you covered uh, Be Thou My Vision. So what drew you uh, to that song? Well, that, that band's rendition of it. Um, King's Kaleidoscope. Um, I never really paid much attention to it until I heard that rendition and really listened to the words and just the way uh, the singer and the music blended. It really caught my attention and like, hey, wait a second, this is a really good song here, you know. What's, uh, what's something that you learned or like the primary thing you took away from exploring that song? I'm sorry, I have to write this note down before I forget it. The comment about God will be there on the other side. Um, I have one in the Go ahead. You, you mentioned and, and the reminder uh, within mm. that song that, that man's our ways mm. are not God's ways. And God yeah. And I also like there's a line there about rejecting man's empty praise. Mm -hmm. Because it's very easy for me to, with those things that I excel at, there are some things that I excel at, that I, I want men's praise for mm -hmm. sometimes. You know, and it's nice when you get those attaboys, but they really aren't important. The stars and the dots. Right. I mean, I, I like that sometimes things I create make an impact or can lead to conversations with people otherwise may not have happened or things like that. But those are, I'm not directing those things. I'm just creating and, and, and doing what I think I am you know, as, as being obedient. But those praises aren't why. But it's something I must check myself on. You know, I don't want to... I don't want to revel in those things because that's, that's not where it's at, you know, and that can become poisonous. Now, when I started uh, looking at He Loves Us as a song, um, I didn't realize it was following up <coughs> the theme of It Is Well. Um, that the author had experienced tragedy and lost close friends, and that kind of pulled him. Um, 
So really, I, I did reference this verse, uh, this section from Job 30. Um, you could hear him. He says, I cry to you for help, and you do not answer me. I stand, and you only look at me. And that was Job's experience when he's calling out to God, not understanding how to deal with this tragedy. But I loved in Isaiah, there's a verse that says, Behold, the Lord has one who is mighty and strong, like a storm of hail, a destroying tempest, like a storm of mighty overflowing waters, he cast down to the earth with his hand. And the note that I took away from there was when you're in that, that trial, um, is that we could say that not only is God in the storm, but he is the storm. Mm-hmm. And in that place, we can let ourselves hope and let go. That the storm isn't something adversarial, that God is just as present in it as he is anywhere else. Um, and so I loved, I loved kind of learning that from, from his story. But Dave, you did I Surrender All. Um, as the next lesson, uh, where did you, uh, what kind of pulled you to that one, or was that a song you're already familiar with? It was like it. Yeah. <laughs> Is it an easy song to pray? <laughs> I want it to be. <laughs> I want it to be. Yeah. I mean, it's at least, uh, it's a good one to kind of let, let it be kind of like a thorn in you. Or like splinter, you like you want to always be pricked to think that way, and that's something that's almost like a, a pair of sunglasses. You can look at everything through. Am I surrendering? Am I am I holding on to X, Y, or Z lightly? You know, right? Hmm. On December twenty fifth. I'm sorry. It's sorry, never a one time thing, is it? Yeah. Surrendering. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On December, on December 25th, uh, years ago, um, those of you who have used social media, um, they, they have this, they have some algorithms that, that bring back to you things that you wrote, you know, many, many years ago. And uh, so I got, I got one of these um, a couple weeks ago. It says, um, this is December 25th in 2012. And I wrote down, for those of you who were in the right space, for those of you to revisit the theme of Lord of the Rings, and um, Bilbo said... Do I really have to go through? And Gandalf said, yes, you do, if you want to reach the other side. And it just in context of what you're saying, I wrote down, God's greatest power is always on the other side of our greatest pain. Mm-hmm. We have to be willing to move through it to find his greatest healing. And that's a mark of what it means to be human. Yeah. I'd love to say that you're, gonna, you're, gonna, you're able to navigate around you know, but it's important to understand God is not the author of our pain. He's the author of our healing. Sin, the evil one, is the is the one who's out to kill, deceive, destroy. Right? Christ is on the other side. Do I have to go through? Yes. If you want to get to the other side. So our last, uh, our last pre-Christmas uh, lesson was on the song Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone, which is kind of an adaptation of a classic hymn. Um, so it was really neat to just remind myself about the authorship of Amazing Grace, a former slave ship captain um, who felt like he was the worst of the worst that really wouldn't deserve to be saved. And he wrote Amazing Grace out of that redemption story. 
But then to hear uh, just mm. adding that piece that was supposed to be for a film, um, wasn't really supposed to be a rewriting of a hymn, uh, My Chains Are Gone. <coughs> so I really enjoyed just exploring, you know, the, that grace that has freed us from the sin and the chains that we carry. And the theme, the theme that I found in discussing the story, and I shared like a personal anecdote from my family history, um, just that we live for free. You know, your chains are broken. When you feel that phantom pain of chains around your ankles, your wrists, Ooh. that's all you. You don't owe anything to God. You don't owe anything wow. to man because he has paid for all of it. And that's a challenging place to live in. Um, but I just want to share this scripture um, because another, another phrase shows up in this scripture again uh, that showed up a few times today. Uh, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. This is in Psalm 103. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. So I thought that was a really powerful moment. Um, and then we moved into Christmas season, uh, which was kind of a neat way. That's one thing I think that drew us to cover this series, was that we get to do some Christmas music around Christmas time. Um, so, yeah, I was surprised when I started to read. I don't even really know why I thought that it would use Otanenbaum. I think maybe it's just knowing the tempo of preparing lessons, and I knew that it would very clearly connect to the Tree of Life lesson from the last Christmas, uh, from last year on our Christmas Sunday. Um, so I knew that I could like use those themes and those topics, but when I actually started reading about the the song, which is a folk song that had been repurposed and developed over time, learning that it really was a song not about a Christmas decoration, but it was a song about a living evergreen tree in the forest that was faithful because it stayed green when everything else faded. Um, and that comparison to human relationships, which as we know are reflections of our relationship with God, really stood out to me. So I thought that was kind of a fun, it was an interesting way to see something, but then see underneath the surface and see that there's more to it. Uh, and uh, a fun side effect is ever since then, we've had the girls, like uh, Charlie would be in her crib at nap time, we'd hear her singing O Tannenbaum, <laughs> Tannenbaum. <laughs> which is great. Um, That's a natural age appropriate. <laughs> it is. And then, uh, and then I, I really enjoyed uh, A Little Town of Bethlehem. Um, just meditating and spending time thinking about that moment, um, that place and time where Mary and Joseph made their way to Bethlehem. Um, and for me, it was, a, it was an opportunity. I didn't really plan to do it this way, but actually just rewriting that moment as a narrative story and being able to share that. So that was, that was really, really great for me. It helped me, think, it helped me see Christmas a little bit more, maybe like a child, but more clearly just to really think about that moment, that place. So I really enjoyed that. And then Bob, um, yeah, Bob had our Christmas Eve song, or well, it was right before Christmas Eve, the week before, um, the Rich Mullins song, You Gotta Get Up, because it's Christmas morning. Song. We played that Christmas morning to wake up. What a great, yeah. what a great song. I was already awake at <laughs> So I didn't know if there's anything that you just wanted, I know you talked about just seeing it as a child and just that wonder and that relationship with God. Um, I like our discussion about God's generosity. Yeah. Yeah, and just kind of like Nick, you're saying, um, it's easy to see the, 
things that we don't have, things that God doesn't do, but mm -hmm. just how we, we, were, we bring out verses and, and look at the ways that God was, has been so generous uh, and is so generous. So, yeah. Yeah, that focus. That's great. Did anybody else listen to that song over Christmas after we played that? <laughs> that was fun. Yeah, so, so I didn't have an opportunity to, to share a Christmas song. And uh, while we were sitting here, I was thinking, well, what, what would I have shared? And Hark the Herald, Angels Sing, um, is, what, is what came to mind. And while I was gone, I was preparing a Christmas talk, hoping that when I got back, I'd, you know, the Lord would give me one to share. Every year what we do, we, we watch one of, our annual, one of our annual movies to watch, um, in addition to the Christmas story. Uh, you'll shoot your eye out, um, is um, The Star. Mm. Anyone familiar with this, The Star? Basically about a, a donkey who wants to be, who wants to be a, a, a motorcade, if you will, for, for a king. Right? And there's no way a donkey will ever take the position of mm. you know, carrying a king. Right? So it's all around the story of this donkey. And, um, what captures me is, and I, I won't read the words of this, so I'll, I'll read a few. Hark the herald, angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful, all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. Let the angelic host proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the, hark the herald, angels sing, <clears throat> glory to the newborn king. Um, it's really, really hard in the natural state to get excited about a baby being born. Unless it's your own. Right? Um, when Jesus was born, he, uh, we want to be very, very clear, and I know you guys touched on this. Out of all the efforts that we make to get away from our pain, to create a future that we care about, to, to live a life that we're proud of, or, or, or any chasing that we do just to feel, fulfill the natural human desires that we have to love and be loved, to belong. <clears throat> In order for that to happen, we, can, we cannot obtain that. Someone has to come and give that to us. Right? So the whole, the whole Christmas story isn't about us attaining anything. It's about the Savior, it's about the creator of the universe coming to us to give this, right? And, and, and we look back every year, you know, I, I, think, I think we have to try to move towards that place of, of trying to really, really appreciate and understand the birth of Christ, right? This, I have two friends who had babies over the Christmas season, you know, and, you know, when they send me the pictures, all I see, I'll say, that, thank you for sharing that joy, you know, it's a beautiful thing. But I don't look at that picture every day. You know, I, I don't. That's their child. You know, not mine. You know, and Jesus was born into the most. I mean, I mean, he's going to be, he's going to, he's going to be on the run for his life. You know, he's going to be born into the most, most tumultuous, tumultuous, what's the word? Tumultuous. You know, environment that even his life is going to be be sought after. You know, when we when we give birth, you know, the whole first months are you know joy and you know uh, enjoying this new life and becoming right. parents and you know and then even when other people don't care about us us having this new child, even even you know after eleven years, here's here, you know let me show you pictures of my son. Let me 
you know, tell me about being a dad. Well, mine are now all grown and getting married, and I'm so excited because they're still our little boys. Right? My wife just sent me a, a text yesterday, you know, of Kai being in a crib, you know, going down and giving like this whole, you know, um, proclamation of, of his environment and his world and his home and his hideout. And, and I'm like, this is, he was probably about two or three. So it's at least nine years ago. And I'm like, oh my word, he's exactly the same person today. He just speaks better. Right? He's bigger and he's taller, but the same mindset, the same, the same child is there. Right? And um, I think it's important for us to revisit, you know, what, what took place in Jesus' coming um, on, a, on a, as much as daily, daily basis as we possibly can. Because it's going to be another 33 years until people actually begin to understand why he was born. Mm-hmm. They're going to ignore it for 33 years. They're going to forget about it for 33 years. Right? His birth is going to be absolutely irrelevant. And if we allow ourselves to fall into the place that Christ's birth was irrelevant, then his rescue, his salvation is going to be lacking power as well.